Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Church Online. We're in the final week of 2020, the last Sunday of the year. Come on, how many of you thought we might not ever make it to here? And we're in a standalone Sunday. This is a, a day usually every year where we just kind of take a look back and then we look forward into what God may be calling our church to do, even our families, uh, into the coming year. And I think appropriately, I've titled today's message, 2020 Vision. And I know when January hit, you couldn't pass a church sign anywhere that didn't say, this is the year of vision, 2020 vision, creative, right? I know. But here's what I've learned in my own life, and you've probably heard this cliche statement, that hindsight is always 2020. We may not be able to see what's coming, and if you're honest, none of us saw this year coming. None of us saw really anything that's happened in 2020. None of us really saw it all coming, but hindsight is always 2020. So today, we're just going to kind of take a small look back at what's going on this year, and then we're going to look forward into some things that I believe God is calling us to and how can we respond. What are some things, principles that we can live by that are going to make a difference in our lives? Come on, looking back over 2020 in the world, we saw March happen, right? The, the pandemic began to hit the world and everything shut down just a couple of days after March Madness and the NBA shut down and churches all over the world went online and businesses closed and schools shut down. And many of us thought, ah, this would be over in a couple of weeks. Boy, were we wrong. Come on, it's been all year long. As a matter of fact, even talking about it doesn't really even feel like we're looking back because we're still in the midst of it. We're still dealing with so many things that have happened this year. In the middle of this pandemic, George Floyd lost his life and uh, the racial divide in our nation and around the world took center stage. And we began to see riots and protests like many of us in our lifetime, we've never seen before. We've seen many people push pause on their faith in this season due to the insanity that we've all walked through and the isolation that we've all found ourselves in. Many people went in isolation in March and I know many people have not yet to even come out of isolation as uh, due to the pandemic and all the different things that are going on. Without a doubt, I would say that this has been the most difficult season in our generation to lead a church or own a business or work, or even just survive for many people. But can I tell you, even in the midst of this insane year, the local church has been the hope of the world. Come on, even at our church, our local church, we led alongside with other city, other pastors in our city, a, uni a unity worship night where we just called our city to unify around the gospel uh, and around good causes to reach people. Come on, we partnered with those same churches to provide over 500 backpacks for back to school. And we fed thousands of kids, uh, not just here in Shelby County in partnership with the local schools, but even in uh, Juarez and Mexico and our mission efforts, even today. Day. This, uh, as we speak, they're feeding over 700 meals a day uh, in those communities there in Mexico because of our generosity as a church. We're currently, um, uh, we've ordained and commissioned military chaplains and leaders through our network through the Vine um, that are serving all over the world in that capacity. Come on, we've learned how to adjust 
and how to pivot and how to love no strings attached our city in some of the craziest times we've ever seen. Matter of fact, not just at Cultivate, the local church has stepped up greater than I think anything ever has. In this season, the local church really has been the hope of the world. Can you imagine walking through this season, this 2020 year, without the local church? Come on, it's been the local church that stepped up and been the hands and feet of Jesus to so many people. We've provided uh, meals to shut-ins through our partnership with the city all year long. We've been the hands and feet of Jesus to people that needed it most. So as we look back on 2020, I don't ever want, I'm not going to look back and look at all the devastation because there was. But what I will look back and remember is how bright the church has shined. How good the work, the, the work that we've been able to be a part of has been. And one of the things I've, lear- I've learned in this season, and I've learned it over my faith journey really, is when crisis hits, we always seem to say one of two things. When I was growing up, when somebody would go through some, a devastating season, I would always hear adults say, man, I hope that doesn't push them away from God. Well, I sure hope that doesn't push them away from their family because people used to say that devastation, crisis would either push you toward the Father, toward God, or it would push you away from God. And I seemingly, it seems as if I've seen that happen in people's lives. But what I've learned as I've grown in my faith is crisis doesn't push us to or away. Crisis is not something that pushes us anywhere. Crisis is a magnifying glass. Crisis reveals things. It reveals where we are. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to share with you three things that I, uh, two things that I think crisis does for all of us. And then I'm going to share with you three things that I think we need to be looking forward to in 2021 that's going to make all the difference in our faith journey. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word that it's alive and breathing and real and for us. And as we stand here this last week of 2020, God, as we just open our hearts and our minds to your word, as we've taken a look back even in our own lives, as we look back over the, all the things that we've walked through, all of us have walked through this pandemic season. All of us has, have walked through shutdowns and uh, lack of resource and finances and all of the things that go along with uh, racial injustice and uh, reconciliation needing to take place all over the world. God, as we walk through all of the hurt of 2020, help us to remember the good. God, the things that you've done, the way that you've shown up, how bright the church has shined in the midst uh, of, of crazy season. And God, I pray as we open your word that you would just speak to us right where we are and that that would make all the difference in our faith journey, knowing that we've met with the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is crisis reveals where we are. It reveals where we are. I love Luke 22, verses 33 and 34. We're going to take a look at the moment Jesus is literally about to go to the cross and he's having dinner with his disciples and he's already told his disciples that someone's going to deny him and that someone's going to betray him. And then he tells Peter, uh, one of the disciples, he says um, that, Peter, you're going to deny me. There's going to be people that ask if you know me and you're going to deny me. And listen to what Peter says. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison, even to death. And then I think Jesus in that moment might have even chuckled because he knew. He said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you even know me. See, one of the things I've learned as I've 
grown in my faith over the years is it's one thing to say something and it's a whole nother thing to live it out in a moment. It's one thing to say it. Peter said, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll do anything for you. But when he was faced with the pressure, when crisis hit, it revealed where he actually was. What, what happens? He denies him three times. Let's read this in Luke 22. It says, about an hour later, another asserted, another person. This is the third time he denies him. Certainly this fellow was with him for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't even know who you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked straight to Peter. Come on, that's that moment where he realized. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. Come on, what, what has pressure what has crisis revealed in our lives this year? I can tell you a few. For me, I've learned that crisis more than ever has reminded me that I need community. I need people in my life. There are certainly times as a pastor and as a leader of people, surrounded by people all of the time, where, where there are moments in my life, if I'm honest, where I just need to be alone. I just need to be away from people. But in this season, I've learned that I need community more than I need anything. Because being alone is great until it's not. I've learned this. My wife and I have learned that we are not homeschoolers. <laughs> we are. That is not something that we need to do. God bless you, all of you who homeschool your kids and are great at that and are called to that. We have kicked around that idea over the years, and maybe that might be something we would want to do. And we've learned in this season, it is best for us and our kids for us not to homeschool. We've also learned that... Um, my wife thinks I'm way more talented at things than I am. I don't know about you, but we have done all kinds of projects over the course of 2020, especially during the primary shutdown earlier this year where there was nothing going on. We were working and doing, and I've learned that I'm not as good at things that maybe I thought I was. Maybe um, for, for many of us, we've learned that the more I miss, the less I miss it. The more I'm away from people, the more I'm away from community, the less I seem to miss it. For me, that was sports. I used to be a fanatic, a sports fanatic. I still love sports, but there was a season when everything was shut down, and I realized, you know what, I don't miss it as much as maybe I thought I would. For many other people, maybe it's community. Maybe it's your church. The more you miss it, the less you miss it. It reveals where we are. Prayer. Every day, I've learned, is a necessity. What has been revealed in your life? Here's one thing I think, if we're just going to be serious for a moment, I think that crisis has revealed our true convictions. It's revealed in people all over the country and our faith community here at Cultivate and in, across Shelby County. It's revealed what is really and ultimately important to us. What are we ultimately convicted about? When the pandemic hit and crisis began to uh, kind of spread across Shelby County and around the world, our church stepped up and we're convicted about loving people, no strings attached. So we began to serve more. We, we doubled down on our generosity. We gave more. We found ways. We invented new ways to serve people and love people, no strings attached. And maybe if you're honest with yourself, it, it revealed what you were actually convicted about. I know many people, they weren't as fully as convicted in their faith as they may have thought that they might have been. It, it reveals your heart to help. 
It reveals whether or not you legitimately have a heart to serve those around you. I love this one. This one's so true. It reveals the wisdom in the fray. If there's been anything that I've noticed over the course of this year, it's been people uh, and, and in life and families and, and circumstances when we're faced with a crisis or we're faced with pressure that maybe we didn't quite have the wisdom we thought we had. I read this earlier this week and it says, a soldier in training has luxuries that a soldier in battle does not. In particular, he has the luxury of making wrong decisions. But in the crisis of a real battle, the soldier's discernment is exposed in a way that training scenarios can never do. What does that mean? It means that when pressure actually hit us, many of us collapsed. We didn't quite have the wisdom and the, uh, and the self-control that maybe we thought we had. Many of us made uh, statements and we said things and did things that we didn't really mean and we didn't really want, but under the pressure... It caused us to act certain ways. Many of us acted out of character or, or seemingly out of character because of pressure. Because crisis simply reveals where we are. So my question to you is if you're taking an honest assessment of your life, your marriage, your faith, where are you? What was revealed? Because I can tell you, listen, listen, listen closely. The crisis didn't do anything. It revealed everything. So it's so easy for us in this season to go, but man, if this hadn't have happened and this hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have said that, or I wouldn't have done that, or I wouldn't have um, moved in that direction. So many things would have been different. Absolutely. But it did. And what did it reveal about you? It didn't force us to do anything. It revealed everything about us. For many of us, we lacked, we realized that we lacked the wisdom and the self-control we needed to really make a difference when things got heated. Maybe today you realize that possibly under the pressure I caused more harm than I did good. Maybe my relationships are suffering as a result of what was revealed under pressure. Can I tell you something? The good news about moments like this, as we're looking back over this year and we realize what was revealed inside of me, maybe I wasn't as strong as what I was, what I thought I was. Maybe my faith wasn't as strong as I thought it might have been. Maybe my marriage wasn't as strong as I thought it might have been. You know, the divorce rate coming into this, uh, the end of this year has skyrocketed this year because people's marriages weren't as strong as they thought maybe it was when the pressure was applied. One of the things I've also learned about crisis, not only does it reveal where we are, it redirects us to where we need to be. Number two, it redirects us to where we need to be. What do you mean by that? Well, once I know where I am, I can finally start figuring out the road to where I need to be. Until I'm honest about really where I am in my faith, I can't make it to where God wants me to be. Until I'm honest that maybe I really am lost on my way to a destination, then I can't begin to take the, the proper steps and the next turns where I need to go in order to get where I need to be. So the Bible says it this way in Luke 22. We continue on. It says, Simon, Simon, this is Jesus praying, talking to Peter. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Of course, we just read what Simon, what Peter had thought. He said, Jesus, I'll die for you. You don't understand. I'm ready. But what, when crisis happened, it revealed where he was. 
But in the moment he did it, the moment he denied Jesus, you remember in point number one, it says he remembered what Jesus said. And the Bible says that he wept bitterly. Here's what I think. I think he remembered what Jesus had told him. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In that moment of his ultimate failure, in that moment of not having the wisdom that he needed, in that moment of making a bad decision, denying Christ, knowing, knowing he wasn't where he needed to be in his faith, he was reminded and he was redirected. Maybe like you, maybe you like so many others have asked the question in 2020, why? Why me? Why this? Come on, why my career? Why my marriage? Why is my marriage being attacked? Why am I walking through this? Why are my kids rebelling? Why, God? Because, listen, it will shine a spotlight on your faith. That's why. Why is all of this going on? Because crisis reveals where I am, and it points me into the direction I need to go. Maybe your marriage is under attack because we need to make some changes. Maybe this circumstance is happening because we're, the Lord is trying to point out and direct us in some things that need to happen in our life. And when you've turned back, like Jesus told Peter, strengthen those around you. What's he saying? When you've come on the other side of this, when you've walked through this, when you finally changed direction, when you finally made some changes, when you finally confessed, finally, for the first time, maybe, that maybe I was wrong, maybe I made some wrong decisions, maybe, even before the pandemic, I was walking in a direction that wasn't necessarily honoring God. I wasn't living my life fully on purpose in a way that honored Him. And through this crisis, it revealed where I was, and now I can see clearly direction that I need to go, now I can begin to strengthen others. I love what we see in Acts chapter 2. Just 50 days after G, after Peter had denied Jesus, after he had, after crisis had revealed where he actually stood in his faith, and after in that moment, under that pressure, he began to redirect his faith and his focus. Just 50 days after, you see that in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was given to the world, the church was birthed. And listen, it says in verse chapter 2, verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Now that seems like a minute moment in scripture, but can I tell you that is one of the most miraculous things that we read in the Bible. Because just 50 days earlier, we see a man curse people and deny that he even knew the Savior. And something happened. There was a redirect that took place in his life. And Jesus didn't throw him to the side. Jesus put him front and center. Once you've turned back, encourage your brothers. And because Peter stood up that day and he shared the good news about Jesus that he was afraid to share just moments before in Scripture, just weeks ahead of time in Scripture, we read that he was afraid to even say that he knew Jesus. Now he's proclaiming Jesus. And the Bible says that 3,000 people in that moment gave their heart to Jesus. He radically changed a city because he, he was, it was revealed where he was and he took redirection. He allowed Jesus to redirect his course. Crisis, if we'll let it, will push us closer to our destiny. If we'll let it, We'll see something like that. The Bible says in Ephesians that he can do more than we ask, think, or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Some of you this year realize that you have a passion for serving others. 
because of this crisis, it was your, your life has been redirected. Some of you realize that the world listens to what you say and you have influence that could be used for the kingdom. And maybe you found that out by saying some things that probably hurt some people. Maybe you figured this influence out by not necessarily using wisdom in what you said. But in doing so, you learned I've got influence and now I can be redirected in a way that would honor God in my life. What passion have you been drawn to in this season of what I would call scattering? Where we've been scattered, many still are scattered to their homes and, and are, are, are away from community and are away from a faith community. And maybe in this season, you would say, and you were honest, you would say, I'm being drawn back to something that I'm passionate about. Come on, have you turned back like Peter did? Crisis doesn't push us away. Crisis lights the way. It's a, it's, it, it, it directs us. It can redirect us. I want to share with you three things. Now what? Come on, I've looked back. It's been revealed where I am. I know that I need to make some changes. So what needs to happen in 2021? Number one, if you'll write this down, I need to know it. I need to know it. What do I need to know? Here's what you need to know. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. Can I tell you that no matter what you've walked through and no matter what decisions you've made in 2020 and no matter how far you feel you may be from God, I want you to know that there is nothing you have ever done that could separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And you are forgiven. You are loved unconditionally. You are valuable to the Father. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The, the new has come. The old is gone. In Christ, you are new. Come on, it's a new year. It's a new day. I can begin to live my life on purpose from this day forward. If you're breathing, you have a purpose. Come on, I know that in a, in a year like this year, it can be easy to believe that, man, I've messed up. I'm a failure. There's no way I can come out on the other side of this. Turns out <laughs> you're a fighter. You're still here. Come on, we're still breathing. We have a purpose. You just need to know it. The old is gone. The new has come. Number two, if I know it, you got to forget it. You got to let it go. Philippians 3.13, Paul says it this way. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize in which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Come on, he's talking here about all of the things that he lost in his life for the sake of faith in Jesus. He says that I lived, you can, he talks about it in other places in scripture. He says, if, if it's a, the law, I lived the law. I was focused on my life. He wasn't, he wasn't just lacking focus in his life. He was laser focused in what he was doing, but God redirected him. Jesus saved him. And he says, I lost everything and I counted all joy for the sake of Christ. And he is forgetting the mistakes of his past, the wounds of his past, the hurt of his past. And he's pressing forward to the goal in which Jesus has called him to. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 43 to forget the former things.
things. Can I tell you, I'm giving you permission. Forget the, what lies behind us. Forget about it and press on to what God's doing. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Can I tell you this? The only one that will ever bring up the past failure or decisions you've made in your life are horrible friends and the devil. And can I tell you, you need to forget both of them. You need to let them all go. What are you hanging on to right now? that doesn't need to take the journey into 2021 in your life. And then the third thing I'll share with you is you need to chase it. What does that mean? Romans 12 to one of my favorite passages of scripture. I go to it often. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can I tell you, if there's anything that you need to do moving forward into this new year, is you need to stop chasing the world. Stop chasing culture. Stop conforming to everything you see on social media. Stop conforming to everyone living around you. We should look different. We should act different. Our faith should be bigger. There should be a peace inside of us that everyone else around us doesn't seem to understand. Stop chasing the world. Start chasing your purpose. Come on, here's a good rule of thumb. If culture is chasing it, we need to look the other way. If culture is running after it, we need to go the other direction. Come on, let 2021 be a year that you relentlessly chase your purpose. Come on, what passion has God placed inside of you in this season that you need to pursue relentlessly? You need to put your hand to the plow and don't look up. There's a purpose inside of you that's far greater than what you've been living. God has placed something inside of you that's going to be a difference maker for your sphere of influence. And can I tell you, 2021, I believe the best is yet to come. But it's going to rely on me realizing where I am, changing direction toward God's purpose, knowing that I'm loved unconditionally and forgiven completely, forgetting the past and chasing my future. What does God, what is waiting on you to surrender to God right now? What changes do you need to make? Come on, what about my purpose? What does that even mean? Can I tell you three things? Your purpose isn't about you. In a year, in a season of life where we have been seemingly conditioned to only think about ourselves, to only think about my family, to only protect myself. Nobody's going to do it for you. I want to shout from the rooftops. That's not Jesus. Come on, in the midst of a storm, he ran into it. When chaos was happening, he was the peace. He was the steady in the storm. And he says that we are a city on a hill that can't be hidden. We are a reflection of him to the world. Are we the steady in everyone's storm? Are we running to the chaos and speaking peace into circumstances? My purpose is not about me. The next thing you need to know is my purpose ultimately is going to point people to Jesus. What, what things have you been accomplishing? What things have you been doing this year that have been pointing people everywhere but Jesus? 
Come on, it's a political year. Come on, we're looking back over the insanity that everything's been going on. And we could, it, we could easily point out things in our life, things we've said or done that have pointed people in every direction but Jesus. There's no hope found in a political candidate. There's no hope found in a vaccine. There's no hope found in anything the world could provide because the world can't give what it doesn't have. And the only way we'll find hope and peace and life in Jesus and abundant life that he came to give is living out our purpose, pointing people to him. Pointing people to him. Your purpose ultimately will point people to him. And you need to know this. When you're really living out your purpose, you'll find joy in pursuing it. You'll find joy in pursuing it. Come on, right where you are, I just want to pray with you. Maybe you're looking back over this year and you would just confess that you've lost some things. You've lost some passion, some vision for your faith. You don't even really understand what your purpose has been. You've just been existing this year. Maybe you've submitted to fear. Maybe fear has taken hold and gripped your heart and gripped your spirit and you've been living in it and consumed by it. And today could be a moment where you're set free from it. Maybe you would confess today that you've lived your life in 2020 apart from Jesus and you recognize today that he loves you more than you could dream or imagine and you need to step back into relationship with him. Moving into 21, you're going to live a life on purpose that honors him. Right where you are, I'm just going to pray with you. Would you say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I confess today there's nothing inside of me apart from you, Jesus, that's good. Forgive me for making decisions of my own will. Forgive me for um, not redirecting my life. Forgive me for not pursuing my purpose. Father, forgive me for allowing sin and anger and bitterness and fear to grip my life and my heart. And I've not pursued you as a result of it. But today I'm laying all of that down at the foot of the cross. And I'm picking up peace that passes understanding. I'm picking up forgiveness that only comes from you. And from this day forward, Jesus, I'm going to live my life on purpose in a way that honors you. 2021 is going to look different. Not because of a circumstance. I'm not relying on circumstances to change. But because of my perspective. You are Lord of my life. And I'm going to make a difference in my sphere of influence because of the peace that's, that's, that's living in me. Father, that you would get all of the glory and all of the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.